Hello everyone this is Aisha from Footloose by Shreya Nesh uh, in this last episode uh, of the season uh, we have Sada Raghavan uh, from Singapore who is a research scientist turned entrepreneur and she will take us through her journey through science and uh, entrepreneurship and we discuss uh, things like sustainability uh Uh, how products are labeled organic and uh, quality control and marketing start the welcome to the uh, to the episode uh, today um, of uh, footloose with shrey anish asha is here as well and uh, Hi, Sada. Sada and Aish are both uh, alumni. Xavier's alumni. Is that that's where we uh, we did our <coughs> graduation uh, from uh, the Saint Xavier's College in Bombay. Sada went on to um, uh, went on to finish her. Uh, she graduated with uh, biochem. Is it is it Sada? Sada, you did you did uh, uh, life sciences and biochemistry. I double majored. Double majored in biochem. That's right. Uh, yeah, I think I did biotech. Aged, aged yes. biochem as well. Yeah, I did biochem, right? So I did biochem, right? Double yeah. major, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you all were honor students, right? You used to spend time in yeah. Kaya's laboratory yes. doing all, yeah. all the magic. <laughs> you know that was awesome. The honors program was really brilliant. Yeah, I thought I, it was yeah. quite a. I, 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 I just loved it. I mean, and you got to like think uh, out of the box. what would you say was your favorite subject of because we studied so many different subjects there was immunology there was uh, you know neurobiology developmental biology environmental sciences genetics there was so many things we were studying all at all at once which ones yeah. would you pick yeah i would pick biochem and genetics i thought those were very interesting xavier's is when biology became interesting for me it mm. became more than facts and you know i felt like the teachers told us there was something to learn and discover until then it was very drawing uh diagrams uh, you know learning animal plant parts yep, and just yep. so i would study uh biology like i used to study history because i didn't think there was any you know facts to discover it was just all done like i was reading right. it as a story right right and i think like life science department for me was amazing so and of course with the honors program and kaiis which we just heard about it was mm-hmm. a great learning experience it made me want to do research it made me realize that there were things that were undiscovered right yeah, so that yeah. opened up for me because until then it was a story it was like you know these are the plant parts like what else is to do right like what, what else, else is, is to do? what else is yeah. new yeah or, or i didn't realize that there was something to discover more as after that i moved to tifr mm-hmm. where i did a masters by research for 3 years okay So it was a yeah it was longer than a usual you know two year masters it was all research so it was basically uh, a mini PhD um, because ah. in Europe PhDs are three years so yeah. I did three years research uh, for my masters program I mean it was called a masters in biology but basically I was doing molecular biology biochemistry okay in TIFR and I was basically deciphering the MAP kinase pathway which is basically a biochemical pathway that yeah uh, triggered in cancer and many signaling pathways right. So okay. we we're kind of working on one of the proteins uh, of that pathway, regulation actually of the pathway. So that's what I was doing, mm-hmm. and then it, I guess, in, from TIFR, it's a very national, uh, natural progression to move on to do a PhD. Mm-hmm. But I mean, a lot of my uh, friends didn't do it. 
Uh, but, you know, a lot of us did. So we applied everywhere, you know, to Europe and the US and applied for a PhD and say, okay, you know, that's the next step. Um, for me, I felt like I always knew I enjoyed um, research a lot and I wanted to do my PhD. But I think moving away from academia long term was always the plan. So I never planned on opening my own lab, for example. Okay. So I knew I would um, always, um, yeah, I wouldn't like become a professor. That was never the plan. So tell me um, why not? Why, 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 why did you, why was that not a part uh, of the plan? Is it because you don't uh, see yourself as, as a teacher or that it doesn't come naturally to you or you thought that there might be something out there that is probably something that you are more aligned to doing? No, okay. So for me, I felt like I, uh, I do enjoy teaching. I do enjoy like talking to people, things like that. But I felt yeah. like uh, when I was in TIFR, I realized the amount of kind of politics that was happening in science. Uh, right, I didn't right. enjoy. And I was like, if I'm going to do uh, pure research, it needs to be, I mean, just, maybe it was just a naive me. And, you know, politics is everywhere, but I felt like it shouldn't be there. So then for me, it was like, if I'm going to, you know, be, uh, I don't know, surrounded by all this kind of stuff, then I don't want to do pure science. Like for me, it was too... Uh, pure you know right I just felt like I didn't want the I didn't want the politics in science so for me I felt like I wanted to do something um, else you know like I might as well yeah. kind of go get into the commercial side of things if I feel like the politics <laughs> is going to be there anyway yeah rather than yep. uh, being in pure science so that's right. what I felt I was that was always the plan but I didn't like I enjoyed research a lot so I felt like I'm definitely doing a PhD so I moved on to uh, the EMBL in uh, Heidelberg in Germany, and I did mm -hmm. my PhD there for yeah three years, three years plus. And I mean that was an amazing experience, right? So I was in Europe. I was uh, funded by the Marie Curie Fellowship, so I got to travel a lot, which was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I did all of Europe, most of Europe in the yeah. So I kind of stayed on for a postdoc for a few months later as well. So in all, I was about four four years. Right. Uh, about four and a half years in Germany. So I that's yeah, brilliant. Traveled. Yeah. It was that's a lot of awesome. fun. Yeah. Okay. So that was, yeah. That was yeah. That was and what I was and what was your, your PhD research topic on? What did you look into? So in during my PhD, I did um directed evolution. So which is basically trying to I was basically trying to play God in the lab. So it was oh, like, wow, oh dear. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds really crazy but no so basically I was trying to evolve a protein in the labs in the labs so I would put in uh, environmental pressures on the protein and evolve yeah, yeah. it within a cell so it's basically I was trying to make proteins uh, so I was working with fluorescent proteins and I was trying to make them brighter faster okay faster okay. folding and brighter. So basically I wanted the cell to glow brighter so I would like I did a lot of flow cytometry I, I learned right technique so it was a it was a very exciting time in Germany but mm -hmm. basically trying to evolve a protein within a cell and make it brighter make it faster folding that is freaking amazing that's freaking amazing useful. the reason this is useful is because it's used in uh, like fluorescent microscopy techniques right yes. you need yes. brighter proteins you need faster folding proteins so yes. that you can actually uh, see because a lot of um, cell processes are within seconds so you need yeah. proteins that would react that quickly so that you can actually see those um, and did that actually happen processes. did you actually did you actually yeah, make yeah. That so happen? i evolved i evolved yes i evolved a green fluorescent protein and um 
uh, a far red fluorescent protein. So actually, yeah, uh, yeah. So I did, I did manage to uh, publish a couple of papers. So we move, we did make brighter, faster folding proteins. That was not my original project, though. I started with trying to build a biosensor, which was also very exciting, but it didn't work. You know, in a PhD, you're always doing multiple projects to kind of see which one works and things like that. Yeah. But I started the uh, PhD with trying to build a biosensor. I mean, I, I built it, but it didn't work as efficiently. Like it didn't, we, well, we published a small paper on it, but we didn't manage to get it to work like we wanted. So we were trying to look at a gradient in a yeast cell. So my PhD was about working with yeast mm-hmm. and we tried to build a biosensor that would basically detect in, in so it's, it was a live uh, sensor. So it would basically, in the cell, it would show us a gradient in the yeast cell, which is really tiny, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You think? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're like talking proteins and yeast, right? So you're talking about tiny, tiny. Yes, audience. yes. So everything's, yeah. <laughs> your audience, what your audience is, right? So this is like major, like look under the microscope looking for things, not not something you can see with your eyes. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. God, I feel like it's been only a couple of years that I've not been into it, but I just feel like I'm talking like an alien language. It's so funny. <laughs> but doesn't it, isn't it nostalgic though, Sar? It's awesome. I mean, I loved labs. So there was no reason, right? So just to like, I loved my PhD. I loved research. I continue to love research. So so let me tell you a little bit more, right? So I moved from Germany then to, uh, well, India for a bit uh, because, you know, my then boyfriend was there and we said, okay, enough of long distance, got married yeah. and all that. So anyway, so then I moved to Singapore. And I joined ASTA for my postdoctoral research. Yep, so yep. there, I did some really cool things as well. So it was, I was working on, again, directed evolution, but we were trying to make a chemical in bacteria. So it was a industrially relevant chemical. Mm-hmm. We were trying to make them in bacteria using waste. Wow. Okay. So trying to basically wow. convert convert, um, you know, the waste as in we were using lactic acid as our substrate, but basically lactic acid is an end product of lots of different uh, biological waste products, uh, pathways. So we were using uh, lactic acid to make acrylic acid and acrylic acids used in, for example, diapers and stuff like that. So it's a polymer. And we were trying to make, um, you basically convert lactic acid into acrylic acid through a biological pathway in a bacterial cell. Okay. So to detect acrylic acid, I built a sensor, which worked and, you know, so I built it, I published it, it's, it's done, it's there, out there. So it's, it's a very cool uh, sensor. Basically, when acrylic acid is produced in a cell, the cells will glow, green, uh, will turn green. And yeah, you'll okay. be able to see it. Yeah. So that's what I did. And then I felt like when I was there and, you know, it was, for all practical purposes, it was like green chemistry, right? So it was doing, trying to kind of... Um, use bacteria and go the biological route to make a chemical that was yeah that was basically currently made from petroleum resources right uh, right. through very yeah unfriendly ways yeah so um that was so and then I think that combined knowledge with my A-star postdoc and the plan was always to move away from academia and of course I didn't know that I would ever start up like that was not the plan but then I the began to like kind of job hunt because I was I'd done like you know I was a scientist in ASTA for six years and I was like okay now I need to do something different however I had fantastic bosses so there was literally no way to no reason to move 
and I had my kid there. So just, you know, it was the perfect, like I was working in ASTA when I had my kid. So it was like, yeah. I was able to balance like life and uh, work. And it was, it was great. It was perfect balance. I was just basically yeah. like, you know, itchy to do something new, I guess, and do something yeah. different. So I did decide to move. And then I was anyway. So while I was job hunting, I realized that I was really interested in being in like a food, nutrition, wellness kind of space. And I mm-hmm. didn't have a degree to back me. Right. And it, that was my passion. And I felt like this is what I want to do. Uh, you know, I, I don't have like a degree in food technology or something like that. Yeah. So then I decided that I probably have to just do my own thing. And yeah. that pushed me to kind of say, okay, I'm going to start up. And Singapore is an amazing space, like place yeah, to yeah. start up. Like the whole yeah, entrepreneurial, yeah. Uh, it's a very nice network. It's a very it's open, open economy, very open economy. Yeah, wow. and it's easy to start up. Like you don't need like major, <clears throat> and, it, and it's smooth, you know, it's just like, you know, wow. okay, I want to start up. This is my name. Like, you know, you just have to Yeah, kind of, yeah. The oh, bureaucratic red like, yeah, paper. It's, like it's like a three-day process to just have to get your company. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's I'm actually very similar here yeah, as well. I didn't have a degree, but I was definitely, I was clear about what I want to kind of do. So also just to, you know, I grew up in a home with a very natural alternate medicine kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, I used to, I used to get treated with homeopathy. I mean, I still get treated with homeopathy. And so in general, like popping pills and stuff like that was never uh, something that Thing I did. To do. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was always like very, I mean, minimal to no drugs, like literally, right? I've never popped a pill. I'm like, I don't have painkillers in my house. Like my daughter doesn't have a pediatrician. So mm-hmm. like when I'm saying I haven't popped a pill, I really haven't popped a pill. So it's not like, oh, once in a while. or It's literally never. Like for a long time, I couldn't even swallow pills. Only during my pregnancy, I had to do some multivitamins and stuff. And then I kind of had to drink one liter of water to swallow one pill. It was horrible. It was like, <laughs> So oh like popping pills is something I really don't want to do. Like I like to blame my narrow gullet, but my husband just thinks I'm crazy. So, so I guess we also growing up, like, you know, food was medicine. It just, you know, use it in the right proportions and things like that, right? Like everything can be a poison versus a toxin and, you know, or, or medicine or food. Like even if you like take salt, for example, right? Like if you have too much salt, it can like kill you with high blood pressure. If you have too little you'll be dehydrated and you can like faint but you know saline's used to uh, save people so i'm just saying like or everything in our food can be considered medicine as well so i think mm-hmm. that's the concept that i wanted to kind of bring forth as well but but sada i'll interrupt you at this point just a question for you does yep. the does the organic versus conventional uh, sourcing of food have meaning to you as well or my, um, do you do you focus on eating organic because you just said that that food can be medicine but food yes. that has that has tons of sprays on it for instance obviously can't be considered that medicinal so as do what do you as a person do do you opt for organic versions and biodynamic versions etc of food or so uh, not 100 percent or what i can so the a lot of the uh, problem with this is the pricing so why yeah. organic is um, I would say is definitely better. It's it's hard to trust the brands as well because a lot of people we don't know whether they're actually organic, mm-hmm. uh, how they got their certification. So I think if you trust a brand and you find the right uh, products, I think organic does 
if you trust the brand, I think organic does make a difference. You can see the quality. Uh, and of course, you know, you don't want pesticides being uh, thrown on your food and then you're consuming them. It's no point. Yeah. Um, so uh, yes, I do. I do think that there is value in organic. I do think that people use it very loosely. And I think you need to do your research, even if you are seeing those logos, um, you know, where you do. And I think that's the yeah, I think that's the biggest issue, I would say. And <laughs> I don't think it can be crazy expensive. Like, you know, um, I think for small brands, especially, uh, it's yeah. really hard to get all the certifications in place, yeah. even though they're doing the right things. So, for example, yeah. um, you know, I guess I'm going to jump the gun a little bit. But with Iriasa, you know, the first set of products were not certified organic. And right. um even though I was doing, you know, all the right things, but it was just so expensive to apply for those certifications as a small brand. But mm-hmm. now with this set, we got all the certifications uh, done in our name. And of course, it costed money and a lot of paperwork, which is really mm-hmm. extensive. So I didn't realize how extensive it would be, but it, it was, it was crazy. But I think it was worth it because now when I smell the quality of oils that I have compared to what I had earlier, even though they were really well sourced and all that, there's, there's a difference. When it comes to the entire certification process, the complexity and the greenwashing and the it's um it's mind-boggling. Also, the loops that you know the loopholes that are there, right? Like people mm-hmm. will kind of try. I mean, you know, there's always when there's these certifying bodies who want to do maybe something, then they charge you so much, and which makes it hard for everyone to do it. But yeah. then they also there are smaller people or I don't know, bigger guys, I guess, whoever, right. Wants to find like loopholes to make it cheaper yeah, yeah. quicker. And then it just ends up. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit messy, but yeah, I think very much so. But I think it, it is, it is valuable in the long run. Uh, it's yes. just that the, that the process to get there is it's long winded and complex. So Iryasa means powerful healer. So it's a combination of Sanskrit and Hebrew area in Sanskrit means powerful. And Asa in Hebrew means healer. So the name Iriasa means powerful healer. We're a Singapore-based beauty and wellness brand. Uh, We basically offer at the moment, so we have a whole range of skincare, which uh, is on hold at the moment. But at the moment, we have a range of 100% like pure USDA organic certified essential oils. We also Mm -hmm. carry uh, some skincare oils. Um, The oils are all, you know, steam distilled or cold pressed in a certified uh, facility. So we have like halal certification. We have the WHO GMP, uh, the HACCP. So that's food grade certifications. Mm-hmm. They're all ISO certified. So I think certifications do make a difference because there's a process that's uh, very strict in, you know, the just the compliances. I think people uh, work with certifications because I think it gives them like that trust of Mm -hmm. oh, it's being it's not just being you know mixed up in a kitchen at home kind of thing yeah 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 and so yeah party certified basically where are they manufactured though your products are they manufactured in singapore no so they're packaged in singapore the manufacturing is in india okay that's excellent yeah Yeah. so all the organic so all our organic certifications are also from india so all the farms are in india because you can't get organic certification if you don't distill and um, you know, source your ingredients from the same place. So correct, even though lavender is like originally from Bulgaria, um, the farms are all in India. So they're basically grown in organic farms in India and then sourced the facility that does the manuf- uh, the extraction, everything is certified as well. And yeah. then 
we bring it into Singapore, we package them in us ISO certified place where it's you know so it's basically the the organic certification doesn't just come it starts from the farmers right the farmland right, right. uh, organic right. it, the entire process needs to be certified because yep. at some yep. point if you mix it up with something messy then you're you know you've already contaminated your product so it it doesn't Correct. work then yeah absolutely absolutely so, yeah, so also all the farmers that we work with they're all uh you know paid fair wages uh, we know so, so the ingredients basically of the oils are all ethically sourced. Mm-hmm. The farms practice sustainable agriculture, they're fair, fair wages, and they're produced in small batches. So right. it's just this nice mindful production so that, you know, you don't waste too much. It also ensures freshness. So we never right. bring in too much. And then a lot of, so with, with essential oils, right? A lot of the big companies, like, I don't know whether you've heard of like Young Living and stuff like that. They can't even though they claim organic or they have their own kind of certification body, like they'll say yeah. it's young certified, which means nothing. Right? No, it's that's, like that's basically called first person. Yeah, it's first person certified, which literally means nothing. There's no cred- credibility whatsoever. Exactly. So they have like this, they, they call it like the seed to seal, whatever trademark. And thing that, that is basically where, where greenwashing comes into the picture, where you're, where you're saying something that the consumer wants to hear, but exactly. there, it, it comes with a big, um, but you know, it's funny that you're saying that for me the first round even though um, I didn't have all those certifications it definitely was hard for me to uh, I mean well when I would talk to people they would be like oh yeah okay I believe you but I'm not always there to sell my products right so they just see it off the shelf they're looking for those symbols they're looking for organic they're looking Absolutely. for paraben yeah they, they don't for- go into the nitty-gritties of of what exactly the um, the organic symbol means or where it comes from you yeah. know whether it is actually the the third party certified organic symbol like biogrow for instance or whether yeah. it is a first party thing or a second party thing like i certify for exactly. you without any so kind. just having so, a seed to seal yeah or any right i, I mean i wasn't plan- trying to attack any other company but the point is like you can't have a certification saying it's iriasa certified correct. organic like, you know, like, who's that? You can, so, you can have a certification like that, but it basically lacks all ki- all credibility whatsoever, any exactly, credibility whatsoever. Exactly. So, so yeah, it's just like me saying, oh, mine's the best, you know, you should buy it. It it doesn't make any sense. So what other challenges did you have to um, face and overcome when on this journey towards becoming an entrepreneur and a successful one at that? Tell us about like how do you distribute the product? There. I'm actually one of her. I'm actually one of her clients, so I can <laughs> tell you that her her uh, her distribution system is is quite. Um, I, I would say it's one of the most efficient ones I've come across so far, especially because I stay in a country that's really far away, and to see the thing at my doorstep, my the parcel at my doorstep uh, a couple of days after it's been ordered is really cool. And the first one that came through actually came through with the first, the first parcel that I ever ordered from Sarda uh, came through with a bunch of other products that I had not ordered as well, because that was like a, a kind of a birthday gift that she sent me along with a very cute little note. So it was a very personalized thing. And I really enjoyed that. And I know that she did that because she's my friend, but uh, still, it was nice to have that, that personal touch and uh, the products that uh, I, I've used several of her products, but a couple of the products that I really liked were the 
the uh, the oil the the face oil that's like my favorite yeah. product and unfortunately you don't have that anymore sar so i actually do you. you know i do so we made a small batch as a wedding favor so i have 60 ml bottles this time if you need yeah, anything send me send yeah. me i sign me up for that okay fine <laughs> from a distribution point of view what happens is that the client um, orders online because she has got yes. a website and everything going on and she's got the online cart and everything so you select what you want and uh, she has discount codes and things and uh, you you pay for it and it's dispatched uh, i think it's dispatched on the same day itself yeah Not sometimes it's possible otherwise the next day so next i should day. just to let you know right uh, social media is a big deal most of our platforms are digital so we are online on our own website www.ariasa.com but we're also on amazon uh, u i mean we were on amazon us australia singapore and uh, you know several other marketplaces including lazada shopee i don't know whether you know all the marketplaces but we also yeah. retail in two different stores in uh, singapore so it's okay. called the green collective which is a really nice um, it's basically a group of brands that are sustainable and eco friendly that have a shop in uh, clarky which is actually quite central in singapore oh nice yes yeah. so we we retail at that shop and then we also retail in the east in juchiat uh, which is a really nice uh, neighborhood as well so it's a small little shop and so yeah i think retail... i used to live i used to live near juchiat by the way because you're not from a marketing background so how did you begin marketing your product in the first so place you know when you're a lot started. of it was digital so okay so my husband's a digital marketer which really helped oh see there you go i yeah. knew there was i knew there was, was a there he was does a, all the tech stuff i'm not a, i mean i know how to sell oh, really yeah yeah so he's a digital marketer there. and he has, he had a full time job he's recently gotten on board iriasa full time but he basically has a full time job uh, he was working uh with dbs and he just like Uh, like not even a one week ago he quit <laughs> anyway that is so but, cool you um, get to work but, together on 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 something full time yeah, yeah, that's amazing he basically builds the website i mean especially the new website all him and he does the digital marketing but also a lot of just word of mouth right so in uh when i did like the first year that we launched uh, pop ups were still okay because we were allowed to like you know there was no covid so i did lots yeah. of pop up yeah yeah and then was a lot of people uh, repeat customer so that was nice mm-hmm. um on facebook whenever you know i get a chance i like post something on facebook so a lot of people were just reaching out and um you know tried the products once and then they were like oh my god this is amazing and my skin feels so much better and when they know that it has like none of the nasties and it's improving their skin health they feel like like i i've had people come to me and say this is the first time i'm stepping out of my house without makeup and i was like <laughs> that's totally my win like that's that that felt so nice like i remember at a pop up in cluny court actually so this lady bought it on the first day it was a three day pop up she came back on the second day and she like i need to buy more this is the first time i've stepped out of my house without makeup <laughs> this is so nice like for me i think that's the part i enjoy as well like you know talking to customers and you know educating them yeah, or yeah. especially with this current set of products it's a lot of diy so we also send we sell like essential oils and skincare oils but we also sell blending supplies so that people can basically diy a lot of things um and you know not uh not just like rubbish recipes like real stuff like you know mosquito repellent spray like things that are really useful or just right. something specific to like suit their skin type like you know you don't you don't know how how did, how did you 
uh, come up with these concoctions? Did you do the R and D yourself, or did you get someone uh, yeah. to do it for so you? Yeah, so a lot of uh, a lot of it is uh, just research on myself and my kid and stuff like that. Huh. But uh, a lot of it is also just tailor made. I mean, it's also uh, a lot of information out there online. I think it's how you process it, and then you, you know, you of course you trial and test it out, and then uh, I also the first round. I collaborated with like Ayurvedic doctors as well to get inputs from them. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a lot of uh, yeah, just knowledge from different places which we kind of assimilated and did made together, I guess. Right. Uh, but with the current stuff, it's it's like you know I can tailor make it for like literally like if you don't like a certain smell but you still want to have like a calming blend, I can I can suggest the right essential oils that would help you for your skin. And everyone's ever skin or everyone's so different. So like different yep. things work for different people. Like for example, lavender can feel calming to one person, but like some people I know really don't like the smell of lavender. So it's not going to be a calming scent for them. So I think right. the generalizations is what we need to kind of break away from. Of course, there's a basic in general idea of what uh, an oil can do, but it's also how it feels to you. Like if you think citrus is calming, then you would need another blend. Like, so mm. I think, that's where my role comes in, where I kind of try and understand what the customer needs. And then, so for you example, have like a one-on-one -on -one consultations with, with your clients. Yes. So I do have a, actually for the current stuff, uh, I'm also, I'm doing an aromatherapy course. I'm, I'm a certified aromatherapist actually. Okay. So I can also, uh, I do do one-on-one -on -one consultations on my website, like uh, for free, just to kind of have chat with people and ask them what they need. And then mm -hmm. I make, lens suitable for their needs so, so we will do that yeah and you asked me about the real ground reality and obstacles of yes i did facing. yes yeah so let me let me get that because i we kind of drifted into all the online platforms that we have but yes. i would say the the ground reality like you know i think getting people on board the sustainable journey is mm -hmm. harder than i thought so right for that is because different people it means different things to different people like sustainable is not just about the packaging uh you know oh it's it's a glass jar versus plastic or it's yeah. something else so it's about sourcing the right ingredients the entire manufacturing process so for me as a as a small brand it was hard to kind of change the mindset and of course mm -hmm. i didn't have a huge marketing budget and i still don't so mm -hmm. it's it's also like the big guys just kind of made this huge no list, right? Like no parabens, no whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually that's just the tip of the iceberg. You need to ask what's in the product versus what's not. Because right. what's not in the product is not going to do any harm for you, harm to hmm. you. It's it's what's in the product. And I think that's what kind of uh, educating customers about looking for what's in the product and what that hmm. means was my main, I would say, challenge. But right. I mean, it was also the fun part because that's what I enjoy, like talking to customers and things like that. But of course, you know, in the midst of COVID and managing supply chain, all those are issues that, you know, would be an everyday issue, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Yes. But, um, and you'd probably, but, yeah. would you would you want to, I mean, since you've had that kind of a, uh, a roadblock, I would say not a roadblock, but it, it, it's been difficult changing people's mindsets, as you said. Would you, yep. would you in the future even look at, um educating people separately about about sustainability of uh, sourcing sustainability of products that's basically what your uh, company is all about it's about source sustainably sourced and ethically sourced 
ingredients yeah. and products made with sustainable and ethically sourced ingredients so would you look at educating people about that topic i mean i, I think i do that while i'm selling the product no i mean i mean people um, who are not your clients or yeah the general public i mean the generally speaking because i think that that might be one of the uh, foundational things that's needed if mindsets are to change uh rapid more rapidly than they have been so far yeah no no i agree so i mean that's that's it's not like an immediate plan but it's definitely a long term plan right. uh to have a, you know a whole section i guess would be like into educating people right. about um you know not just like aromatherapy or uh, natural products about the whole sustainability angle but mm. I, yeah i would i would probably need to do a little bit more i mean well not a little bit a much more research and understand True. this True. Uh, subject much deeper but yeah so i would say you know coming back to your last question <laughs> um the future for iriasa i would say is multiple things right so we want to eventually it's a, it's a holistic wellness and beauty um, brand i guess so it's not just beauty right it's about everything holistic wellness so i would say uh the long term goal would be to kind of have you know the shop would be one part of it but also the whole consultation treatments um having right. a alternate medicines coming in and not just say homeopathy or aromatherapy or uh you know i don't know chiropractors it would be more like it would be more like a naturopathy kind of way right. but it was more also just kind of uh I think what's lacking in these alternate sciences is and I do think that it's a science and I think what's lacking is there's not enough scientific evidence so people a lot of people think these things are fluff because uh, there are a lot of quacks in the space so for example yeah. uh, you know, you'll meet aromatherapists uh, who tell you to kind of put like three drops of frankincense to cure your cancer and oh dear. it doesn't like that and you know of course people have tried because they're desperate and that's then right, uh, right. it doesn't work and then they're thinking hey this is rubbish right and mm. but that's not true like aromatherapy is a science it has you know a strong basis of why it works smell is connected to a lot of different emotion centers and stuff like that in your brain so it it definitely does like immediately when you smell something you can either calm down or get agitated like it's it's it works like we've all yeah. felt that right like we have our perf- favorite sense we have something yep, that yep. kind of helps us calm down so yeah. I I do think that it's uh it's true and I think people understand that it's true but then you know you get people like this or people like homeopaths I know who give you like sugar pills and then you know people are like oh homeopathy doesn't work the long term for iriasa would be trying to have a little bit more scientific basis on all these different aspects and saying hey this works because of this and uh you know if I would be able to kind of bring a little bit more science uh and factual evidence for this kind of stuff i think i would have yeah i feel like my job here would be done <laughs> but thank you thank you sir i think it's it's been a pleasure talking to you oh yeah no it's been so much fun thank you for having me yeah thanks yeah. a lot sir it was good fun and uh, we'll catch up again soon okay and, and good luck with iriasa good luck with iriasa And with that, we end this uh, episode and this season of Footloose by Shreya Nesh. 
and uh, I have really enjoyed working with Trey and all the people who come on this season and uh, we will be uh, starting another season after a couple of months so uh, so I shall announce it then and uh, tomorrow we'll uh, Shrey and I will be doing a bit of a recap about our favorite episodes in this season and what we liked and stuff like that so yeah stay tuned thank you <laughs>